I've reported other people's stories for a long time, confronting people in power. But behind this broadcast voice, I've hidden my greatest secret. I was in an abusive marriage. It lasted a year, but it changed my life. Part of me always blamed myself for what happened, and I've lived with the shame. So many of us live like this. It's time we change that. I'm Anna Maria Tremonti. Welcome to Paradise is my story. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. When we talk about greenhouse gas emissions, the first thing you probably think of is carbon dioxide. But that's not the only greenhouse gas. And by some measures, methane is actually worse. This has been a big topic at the UN climate negotiations in Dubai. And this week, Canada announced new regulations to reduce emissions of methane by 75%. There's a catch, though. We don't fully understand where all of it is coming from. And that is where Canadian researchers like Megan Flood come in. We are off to the landfill in Brooks, Alberta, to measure the methane concentrations around the landfill. So what we're doing is we're collecting data and trying to quantify the methane emission using these advanced technologies. Megan described her job to us as she headed out to measure methane. She uses sensors and a drone. We fly the drone in an area where we know we are detecting a plume, so when we're still in the plume, so that we can we can determine the height of the plume and maybe detect any gases that we're missing that are going over our heads. This is what we look at as we drive around and we sort of see the changes in methane when you go into the landfill or into an oil and gas facility. So it's spiking right now, you can see. So if I go to the actual levels, it's spiked up. It's really cool to see it funneled into the policies that are being developed hopefully mitigate some methane emissions. Megan's car is part of a fleet of vehicles operated by researchers from the Flux Lab at St. Francis Xavier University. This is a research group that's supported by industry, regulators, government, and NGOs. It's all headed up by Dave Risk. He's in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. Dave, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for being here. Let's start with a definition. What is methane? Uh, so methane is an odorless gas that happens to be pretty good uh, and, and invisible as well. It happens to be pretty good at absorbing uh, infrared radiation. And uh, what that does is it prevents when re- infrared radiation or heat is trying to leave the earth. Uh, when methane sits in the greenhouse, it prevents it from leaving and helps heat the planet. What are the main sources of it in Canada? Uh, in Canada, we have three main sources, three sectors that are responsible. So oil and gas uh, has the biggest share followed by agriculture, and then solid waste as well. And given that, um, and we'll talk about some of those specific sources in a moment, but why is it important to improve the way that we measure these emissions? Um, So in oil and gas in particular, uh, one of the reasons we measure is because leaks are uh, unpredictable. About a third of emissions from oil and gas sites come from from leaking. Uh, The other two-thirds is from controlled venting. Uh, But anyways, those leaks are unpredictable. We can't just know where they are. We actually have to go look for them uh, because, of course, many of our well sites are not manned. Uh, And so we we occasionally happen by the rare super emitter that might be emitting as much as 100 pieces or 100 other well sites or 100 pieces of equipment. Mm. And it's really important to catch those. So we we have to look for them. And And then the other reason is basically to quantify. We need numbers to manage the problem. And 
uh, the old engineering adages that we can't manage what we are, uh, what we don't measure. And so we we need the numbers and we need better inventories uh, to help guide us to the to the destination that we're looking to hit. And so we heard Megan out there trying to do some uh, methane measuring with some new equipment. Tell us about how she actually is doing this. What are the sensors that 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 is measuring uh, that are measuring the methane? So she's using a sensor that's mounted in a vehicle. The sensor is called a spectrometer, and it's the the most the sort of broadest class of analyzers that we'd use for measuring methane. It takes advantage of methane's absorbance of light, and so we have a we have a light source, and then we have a detector, and then the the energy the light energy that's absorbed in between the a light source in the detector uh, is an indication of how much methane is there. And so we're carrying around this analyzer uh, that measures, you know, very, very fast. And uh, we're coupling those measurements of methane with wind measurements to understand what direction the wind is coming from as we're driving through sites. And so we, we have a package of algorithms, basically, that takes the, the wind conditions and the atmospheric conditions along with the methane readings and tells us what pieces of equipment are, are emitting and how much. And you can do that through those sensors that are mounted on cars, but people use drones and, and satellites as well, right? Yeah, Megan was also using a drone when she's out in the field. Uh, satellites are, are becoming more capable all the time, and it's pretty exciting to be working in this field in general because the explosion of different types of sensor technologies and then the availability of them and the, the reductions in cost have all been, you know, just uh, sort of unimaginable in a period of only five years. When we spoke with Megan, she was on her way to measure those emissions at a garbage dump in Brooks, Alberta. Tell us about landfills and why, why the dump is such a big source of methane emissions. So, uh, so, solid waste uh, sites give us a, a long methane legacy. So all of the organics that we put in the landfill over time uh, ba basically rot in place slowly. And uh, that's how we manage most of our waste. And landfills will emit for uh, 100 years. And landfills are big point source emissions. Landfill will easily emit what 100 oil and gas sites or maybe more than 1,000 oil and gas sites will emit. Wow. And, um, and so we don't have nearly as many landfills as oil and gas sites, but, but they are big sources and they're, they're well-understood sources and there are well-understood technologies to pull the methane out of the landfill and to use it for beneficial uses like electricity generation because when we're talking about methane, uh, it's, it's the same thing as natural gas. So when we conserve methane, we also have a useful product. Huh. So, like, what do you do? Do you, like, kind of put a pipe into the landfill or something and draw the methane out? Is, is that how you would, you would get it out to use it? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, huh. we take, a, we take a, a drill rig to the site and we, we, we punch many holes in the landfill. A landfill has a cap that's impermeable and will basically hold gases to some extent underneath it. And so, we use that as a collector. We, we punch holes in the landfill and put wells down through the through the waste, and then we we put a big vacuum on those. Basically, we put a couple of them all together, put a big vacuum on it, and and we suck those uh, gases back to a facility that's generating electricity or or something like that. Speaks to the need to keep organics out of the landfill as well, right? Yeah, that's the importance of diversion. So there are many provinces in Canada have 
banned organics from landfills over time and that helps us uh, manage those wastes in a different way through composting or 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 you know other means that don't generate methane for 100 years when we talk about oil and gas do we know where those emissions are coming from I think we have a much better idea, actually. Canada is one of the countries, um, because of research groups like ours and, and some others that have conducted very large-scale measurement programs, and, and there's a lot of interest in the federal government, and there's been a lot of interest in industry to get better numbers. I, I think we have a better understanding of our sources than maybe any other country in the world to be honest. When this announcement was made in Dubai, one of the things that people said is, this is important in some ways because it's low-hanging fruit, that this is an easy way to try to tackle something that, um, th that is out there. Is, is that an appropriate phrase to you? Yeah, I think so, because methane is, uh, is waste for the most part. And uh, if we're emitting methane from oil and gas sites, what we're doing is we're actually just emitting natural gas that could have been used uh, and and letting that go into the air. So, in in Canadian oil and gas developments, it would be somewhere between maybe 0.3 and maybe up to 8% of the energy that we bring out from underground um, gets wasted by losing it into the air. That's a lot. And so, yeah, it it is a lot. Um, so, luckily in Canada, most of the percentages are loss percentages are fairly low, but we do have some some developments that that emit. Um, more with a higher methane intensity. Um, so, anyways, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 a problem that um, that is you know relatively that is mitigated relatively inexpensively because we often have some kind of useful product that that we're left over with um, that we can use. Uh, like like I was discussing at landfill sites, one one of the issues with oil and gas mm. is that. Many of the sites are remote, and so it's harder to conserve. And in that case, we have to combust the methane so that it becomes less harmful CO2. Thanks for telling us about the work that you and your team are doing. Great. Thanks very much. Dave Risk heads up the Flux Lab at St. Francis Xavier University. He is the Brian Mulroney Institute for Government Research Chair in Climate Science and Policy. To my knowledge, Canada committing to reducing methane emissions by at least 75% by 2030 is the most ambitious goal in the world right now. And, and it matters because Canada is the fourth largest producer of oil and gas. So it matters for Canada, but it matters for the world as well. Stephen Guilbeau, Canada's environment minister, has unveiled new regulations aimed at reducing methane emissions in the oil and gas sector. Those uh, regulations are being praised as a necessary step by climate advocates. They're being slammed by Daniel Smith, the Premier of Alberta. Janetta McKenzie is Acting Director of the Oil and Gas Program at the Pembina Institute. Janetta, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. Thanks how, for having me. From your perspective, how important are these new regulations announced by the Federal Environment Minister? These are really critical, and we're really happy to see this step being taken with releasing these draft regulations at uh, at COP28. And these regulations, as they've been proposed, are really world-leading and take a really important next step, building on existing regulations from 2018 that were aiming to reduce uh, methane from oil and gas by 40 to 45 percent by 2025. Obviously, that date's coming up, so we need to go uh, faster and further. And so these regulations aim to reduce oil and gas methane 75% by 2030. Can you just quickly explain, I mean, 40% of Canada's methane emissions, as we were hearing, come from the oil and gas sector. Why is that sector such a big source of these emissions? 
Yeah, it comes down to, as as Dave talked to just a few minutes ago, it comes down to a lot of leaks. It comes down to uh, venting and flaring. And, it, and these are all things that are relatively low cost to mitigate. We can reduce a lot of these emissions pretty quickly by plugging those leaks, by reducing and eventually eliminating routine venting and flaring. But since, you know, Canada is an uh, oil and gas producer, uh, oil and gas is beyond methane, Canada's highest emitting sector, and methane um, and is also our highest emitting methane sector, it is really critical uh, that we reduce these me- these emissions um, in the short term. The Premier of Alberta, Daniel Smith, has said that these regulations are, in her words, dangerous and unrealistic. What is your response to what she says about this? Yeah, I don't think that's a really an accurate read of these of these regulations. These uh, these are a, an amendment to an existing regulation, as I said, that was published in 2018, which is a regulation that Alberta itself already sought equivalency for with its own methane regulations in 2020. And there will likely be a similar process uh, for these methane regulations where provinces, and BC and Saskatchewan have done this as well, uh, where provinces can propose their own their own methane regulations that achieve a similar outcome to what the federal government is, well, Al- is Alberta uh, proposing. already has a methane target uh, to reduce emissions by 45% from 2014 levels. And there was a report by the Alberta Energy Regulator that says that they did that by 2022. That, that seems like a pretty big accomplishment. Why isn't that enough? Uh, because we know uh, we know that methane is a really potent greenhouse gas. We know that it contributes a lot to climate change, and we also know, as as you mentioned, uh, that it's low hanging fruit. That this is a quick and relatively low cost way to reduce emissions from oil and gas. Again, Canada's highest emitting sector uh, in a way that can help us meaningfully uh, achieve our 2030 targets. And Alberta, like the federal government, has those targets for 2025. They're both they're aligned at a 40 to 45 percent uh, reduction. But another important thing to keep in mind, as Dave was was uh, telling us about, is the measurement challenge. So. You know, the Alberta government has announced that it is ahead of schedule with its 2025 target, but we don't have an accurate measurement of our baseline, right, of the methane emissions that we're seeking mm. to reduce from. So there's certainly some some uh, ground that needs to be made up on the measurement aspect, uh, which ideally will be really helped by also the federal government's announcement of funding for a center of excellence on methane measurement. But the other big piece of this is 40 to 45% is not enough. Uh, You know, Canada is not on track to achieve its climate goals. The world is not on track to achieve its climate goals. We know we need to go further. And methane is a pretty, is a pretty, uh, as I said, low cost and reasonably easy way to do that. I mean, I think there's some dispute as to how reasonably easy it is. Again, 2030, this is cutting emissions by 75% by 2030, seven years away isn't very long. And to some people, it might seem like a big ask from the industry. The premier has said this approach will cost tens of billions of dollars in infrastructure upgrades, and Ottawa has provided virtually no financial support to do so. Do you think that there should be financial support from Ottawa to help move this along? Yeah, uh, to be honest, we there are several studies out now, including one from Dunsky, that finds that you know this seventy five percent reduction is actually achievable at a cost of about. 11 tons per carbon equivalent, that's pretty cheap and that's well below even the current uh, federal carbon price. So a lot of these these abatement measures are really low cost and really and available off the shelf. This is technology that's available now. 2030 is an ambitious timeline. 
we need to be ambitious and we need to be bold. Uh, but this is also an area meth- like reducing methane and oil and gas that industry has been you know, by and large supportive of, because mm. they also know this is a, this is a way to take a pretty big chunk out of their emissions in a short uh, period of time. So is it, is it bold? Sure. Is it a reasonably short timeline? Yes, but we have the technology. It's relatively low cost and industry knows we need to get there as well. Janetta, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Janetta McKenzie, acting director of the oil and gas program at the Pembina Institute. She was in Calgary. The past is shrouded in mystery. To understand it, you have to get up close. Something happened to our collective psyche after the atom bomb. On NPR's Throughline, we reopen stories from the past to find clues to the present. Find Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Timothy Egan is president of the Canadian Gas Association, just recently created the Canadian Methane Management Coalition. Tim, good morning to you. Morning, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Your voice in this is important as well. How difficult do you think it'll be for the industry to reduce methane emissions by 75% in just seven years? Well, um, as you said, that's a pretty daunting uh, target, Matt. Uh, as you also noted, industry's already made significant reductions. Um, we are... Uh, driving those reductions right across industry from extraction of methane through to end use through a whole variety of things that we've done over many years. We think we've made some really significant accomplishments. I, I, I question the suggestion that it's that it's it's very affordable um, uh, to do significant further reductions. Uh, the the cost per ton of methane offsetting increases significantly. I'd say a lot of the low hanging fruit has already been achieved or or, or picked, as it were. Um, but you know, we're going to continue to work at it. We've created uh, a variety of things, uh, a natural gas innovation fund where we're investing in all sorts of new technologies, like the ones that David talked about. Mm. Uh, uh, and we continually try to improve uh, the system operation from extraction through to end use. I thought it was interesting in reading about this last night, a comment from Michael Belinke, who is with Advantage Energy, oil and gas company in Calgary, who said, yes, there's an increased cost to the industry, but if this is implemented correctly, it is a manageable cost that the industry was likely moving toward already. It's actually achievable. It sounds as though industry is on side with, with this idea. Well, look, here's the thing. Methane is our product, right? Um, uh, the, my association, the Canadian Gas Association, represents the gas utilities across the country, like Enbridge Gas here in Ontario. And what we do is we move methane into people's homes for their use in a whole variety of appliances. Obviously, we're very interested in making sure that product's managed well. We're buying it. Um, we're putting it into our systems. We're selling it to customers. We don't want to be wasting any of it along the way. So there's necessarily a, a strong interest in making sure it's managed well. The question is, are, are are the timelines realistic for 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 doing what what the minister said the government of Canada wants to do? And that's that's what these things are always about. Can technology um, move at a pace um, uh, that 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 works for the timelines that are being set? And I think that's that's always the big challenge. So is Premier Smith um, on track when she says that these regulations are unrealistic? Well, again, it it's it's going to depend on the on, on the technologies available and the costs of those technologies. I think uh, the premier is pointing to the fact that the federal government, which is far removed from the industry, the provincial governments are much closer to the industry and to the and um, 
to the sector. Although there has uh, there has been, been there has been collaboration. I mean, people have said it's Tristan Goodman from the Explorers and Producers Association says that the government seems to have been have been listening to concerns from uh, from the industry and and the regulators seem, regulators seem to be working alongside parts of the industry. Well, I hope so. And certainly the regulators, you know, overwhelmingly the regulators for a sector matter, provincial regulators, right? Um, and and we work with them very closely, jurisdiction by jurisdiction, uh, in an effort to uh, to achieve the the results that they want for uh, for the sector. But we're of the view that there is um, uh, always an opportunity to improve the management. Um, of the uh, of the methane that that we're moving through our system and working we're working at doing that all the time as I mentioned we're investing in new technology companies um, we've invested over 25 million in startup companies we've actually created an emission testing center in Alberta um, working with the University of Calgary um, working with the federal government with Natural Resources Canada where we're testing all kinds of methane recovery technologies and methane management, methane measurement technologies. So that kind of work is ongoing, and I think it's 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 very positive work. It's mm. bringing all the players together. Uh, we want to keep building on that. Can I just ask you about the measurement piece of this? Because there's peer-reviewed research that has shown that oil and gas methane emissions are a lot higher than previously believed and might be higher than we actually know of. So... How can you measure whether you're hitting emission reduction targets if we don't actually know how much methane is being released in the first place? Well, I think it was, uh, was it David who mentioned that there's just been uh, a significant growth in new measurement uh, technology over the course of the last five years. So the satellite technology is remarkably new. Drone technology is remarkably new. It's giving us the means to measure things that that we simply couldn't measure before. And so that's changing the baselines that we're all using. Um, we're uh, we do have baselines, and 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 for instance, Matt, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the amount of gas that goes into the system, the amount of gas that comes out of the system. The differential is the gas that assumedly is is disappearing at some point over the course of that system. How is that disappearing? Well, it's either because of safety and maintenance things like blowdowns and venting that you have to do to keep your system operating properly, or it uh, there may be leaks at various points in the system mm -hmm. as you replace equipment and so on. So it's a constant effort to improve how you measure that. Um, when people say that, you know, we might be 50% off, I don't know. Um, that that's seems a, like that's a very a, high a number big, to me. That's a big number, 50% off. Yeah, I I think it's a I think it's a very big number. But as I say, the technology to measure is constantly improving, and and we're always looking at, at at what those measurement technologies are. We're always interested in more of them. Something else to note is when people talk about a seventy five percent methane reduction target, emission reduction target, they're really looking at the globe and saying, you know, there are serious problems around the world. Um, as as your previous guest noted. Canada has been very, very good at measuring and at monitoring and at capturing its emissions to date. You were you were talking about renewable natural gas earlier, or, or rather the the methane that comes from waste disposal facilities. Right. We call it renewable natural gas. We can put that directly into the system, and we are right across the country. And so whenever we find instances like that where oh here's here's a source of methane we hadn't recognized before, we're going to try to capture it because uh, it's it's the gas that people can use in their homes to. Keep their energy affordable. Just a few seconds left. You hear uh, about low-hanging fruit, but you also hear about the urgency of getting this right. Does the industry share that urgency that you heard from the environment minister, that this needs to be done now? Well, again, the industry has a, has a vested interest in managing methane well. 
Um, it's our product. Uh, it's it's how we run our businesses. It's how we keep energy affordable and reliable in people's homes. So in, we're an, always in an environment that's getting, getting better. In an environment that's getting hotter and hotter, where people realize that you have to figure out how to control those emissions. Well, I'd say in an environment where energy is getting very expensive, uh, and we want to keep energy affordable, and natural gas is the most affordable and reliable energy option. And when we're looking at, you know, inflationary pressures that are driven by uh, the um, you know the taxes on energy and the uh, and and the other pressures that we're facing. We want to make sure that we get this right so that everybody can continue to maintain a good quality of life and uh, have the energy they need to do so. Tim, good to have you here. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time, Matt. Timothy Egan, president of the Canadian Gas Association, just recently created the Canadian Methane Management Coalition. He was in Toronto. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.